Good morning. It was Charles Dickens in this tale of two cities who described his world as it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. I'm sure most of you who opened your Facebook pages this morning sang that same song with Charles Dickens. As you looked at all the stuff going on, we got our politics. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Some of you all are trying to graduate this year. Lord have mercy. Some of you all are wondering why you're here. Lord have mercy. Some of you all are wondering when can you go. Lord have mercy. Some of you all are trying to get married. Lord have mercy. Other you all are trying to get rid of that which you have married. Lord have mercy. Some of you have been praying for children. Lord have mercy. Some have been praying for your children. Lord have mercy. Some have been praying, Lord, take these children. <laughs> Some of you as parents have crazy parents. Let's just stop right there. Lord, have mercy. And some of you all are just trying to figure out how to do what you do and what God has called you to do. And then we hear messages, and every time we hear sermons, sometimes it just makes us feel more guilty and more unworthy. God's going to get us. God's going to get us good. God's going to really get us. And so we ponder. The messages in the world always tell us that we're not good enough. We're, not, we're too tall, we're too short, we're too skinny, we're too fat, we're too light, we're too dark, we're too woman, we're too male, we're too, too, too. And we get all the messages. And watching all of the news is late, news is, is that English? Yeah. <laughs> and watching all the news lately, I have just pondered, especially with all the rioting going on over the rallies. And I heard one commentator say, you just got to understand, people are angry. And I remember pondering, but what are they so angry about? And then I watched the Lincoln-Douglas, the race for the White House being offered by PBS. And they said, even when Lincoln was up for president, they had fighting at that election, too. So people have been angry for a long time. But I think what bothers me most is that it's not just people. It's us. We Christians, if we had a moment of confession, we're angry too. Many of us are mad at each other. Some of us are even mad at God. God, why me? Why my life? God, what are you doing? And so today, I just decided that I would invite you on my journey. Three years ago, I made a commitment that, God, I want to live out your creative best. And in the process of this year, as reading and studying Ephesians, I ran upon the scriptures for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good things as God has planned in advance for us. We are God's handiwork. We think of God as Redeemer. We think of God as Lord. We think of, of, of Lord as Savior. But do you ever think about God as the artist that God is? Especially when it comes to you. Have you ever thought that we are God's handiwork? Uh, one interpretation says that we are God's workmanship. Another translation says that we are God's accomplishment. Have you ever considered yourself an accomplishment of God? Have you ever considered yourself hand-created by the Creator? 
When you look in the mirror, do you say, God, you did good? <laughs> and so today, simply, my invitation to you is to get to know God the artisan, the artist, the master craftsman, that which designs and creates, not out of fluke, not out of boredom, but out of need, out of purpose, out of plan, out of love. Even from the very beginning of time, we get the picture that God stepped out and said, and the world was. And my favorite, favorite, favorite quote that I, I cannot even remember who said it, but, but the preacher said, God spoke to nothing and nothing heard it and became something. Absolute creation. God spoke to nothing and nothing said, okay. That's the creator we serve. And then James Weldon Johnson does such a beautiful job when it comes to God creating humanity. He says, and God kneeled over man like a mammy kneeling over a baby. And God, with God's hand, formed humanity. And then God, God's self, blew into humanity, and humanity became a living soul, God the creator. This is the one who has created you. This is the one who has formed you. The psalmist said it like this, Lord, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Far too often we don't see ourselves as God's handiwork. We don't see ourselves as God's artistry. We don't see ourselves as God literally designing us for a reason and for a purpose. Even as Paul writes this letter to Ephesus, it was a difficult time. Again, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. People were getting saved and Christians were being literally punished, abused, oppressed. The Gentiles and the Jews were trying to make sense of this Christianity and Paul was trying to explain to them that we are saved by grace. I love this passage because he says God has lavishly given us grace. And it is through this grace that we are saved. And it's through this power that the one who resurrected Jesus Christ, the same Holy Spirit, we have this power. Why? Because God, as artists, planned it that way. Now, some of you are even arguing in your souls and like, well, if, how could I be God's best? How could I? And you all, please, this is not a time to, to make your confessions known. But let me just say, if you are a human being, you've got some issues. You got some stuff. You have some places where God has not invaded in your soul. You have some secrets, and Lord only knows what those secrets are. One of, one of the former students at Fuller came out and talked about how every day he would go into L.A. and get drugs. And they'd get clean enough to go to class. You have secrets. But the good news is, God is still your creator. And God proclaims loudly, I still know the plan I have for you. And even as we say that, God's plans also means that they had to stay in captivity for 80 years, but God promised them a future. This is our creator. This is our artist. As you struggle, go with Jeremiah to the potter's house where the Lord says, come down and I will show you something. And there in that vision was a potter's who was forming a vessel, an artisan, to say. 
And as he formed the vessel, he said, as he made it in hands of clay, at some point the clay became marred in the potter's hand. The beauty of that is that the potter didn't throw the clay away. The potter just re-envisioned and began to form the clay again. And then God says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, this is what I want you to know. Just as the clay is in the potter's hands, so are you and your people, my people are in my hands. I will form, I will do with you what I will. Why, God? Because I'm the artist. I'm the creator. I am the one who knows the plans that I have for you to do good and not evil for a future and a hope. And so God works. And God works in us. And as we profess our salvation, as we cling cling to the one who saves us, God continues to work out God's artistic best. Not out of a fluke, but out of a plan of intimacy, out of a plan of grace, out of a plan of goodness. And you all, the problem is, is that we define good very differently from what God defines as good. We measure success by what the world tells us success is. You go to seminary, you graduate, your, 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 your debt just mysteriously disappears. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know some of you all are playing now. Lord, please, just prosperity. Um, <laughs> and in the perfect world, you get to prove that God did call you because you will be called to the largest church in the world. And even if it's not English speaking, God will just give you the language. Our success, we measure it by how much money we will make. We measure it by how good our health is. We measure it by how we get it all right. We measure God's goodness by how people like us and we fit in. And the problem is God does not think that way. God does not do things that way. In fact, he says, eyes have not seen and ears have not heard, nor the mind of man can consume or consider what I have planned for you, for those who love me. This is a God who took his own son to save the world by crucifying him. God has an imagination that just gets on our nerves sometimes. Because what God imagines for us is far greater but it it doesn't always measure up to to what we think it ought to be. And yet, when you look at the scriptures, I think about Ezekiel. I love Ezekiel. If you go back and look at Ezekiel's call, God calls Ezekiel to go to a stiff-necked people that God, God's self barely like, and God said, they're not going to listen to you, they're definitely not going to listen. They don't listen to me, so they're definitely not going to listen to you. What kind of call is that, really? I heard one of my former students preach a sermon, and she said, literally, God called Ezekiel to a place to fail. God, as artisan, can see beauty, even what humanity has deemed as failure. Look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah was young, and Jeremiah thought he was too young. And God tells Jeremiah, I have called you. You go. And then God says, I tell you what, don't be afraid, because when you get in trouble, I will deliver you. You will be called to build up. You will be called to tear down. You will be called, and I will be your refuge. 
as I read that scripture, I thought, hmm, in order to get me out of trouble, that means I got to be in trouble. God calls you to get in trouble? That's God's creative. Moses was told to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And is that not funny? Because Moses couldn't even speak. Really, God? But that's how God works. God's creative hand said, you know what? Let me tell you why you can never fail when you do my work, when you do as I have designed you to do, when you do as I have created to you. Let me tell you why you can never fail. Because as Paul wrote, God says, but my grace is sufficient for you, for when you are weak, I make you strong. And so God's plan is always to make up the difference. The most famous painting in the world, Leonardo da Vinci, Mona Lisa. Why is she famous? Well, because he created a platform of painting uh, like never before. He was also an inventor, so he used a special canvas. And the way he painted, he created a scene, a uh, fake scene, actually, that people hadn't seen before. He, he learned how to shadow shade in his painting so that her hands look real. And, and I, I read one critique says, you know, she is the most famous painting in the world, but nobody has ever declared that she was the prettiest. In fact, words used were mysterious and enigmatic. How would you like to be called enigmatic? If you look closely at her, she has no eyebrows. If you look even closer, she has no eyelashes. And some scientists have looked even closer and found that this was not the first attempt, but there were other attempts under there, and somehow this what was left, and Leonardo da Vinci actually believed he hadn't finished the painting. God has this plan for you, for you, in its brilliance, in its glory, signed, sealed, touched by God and God alone. And the invitation today is to finally understand that you are not like everybody else. In fact, you're not like anyone else. Why? Because God has created you uniquely different for whatever purpose God has planned for you. All of my life, I wanted to fit in. I was six foot seven in the third grade. wanted to fit in. All my life, I wanted to be the cool one. I wanted to be the coolest. I just, and I think I'm not the only one. And then finally one day, God, I think, really just got tired, and we had one of those conversations. You know how the Holy Spirit just kind of sneaks up on you and grabs you by the soul. And it's like, well, who is it you, 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 who fits in? Who, who is it is the the the, 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 the model. Who here is not weird? <laughs> and not only that, but then it dawned on me that when we start to yearning to fit in, it's about yearning to be average. And God has called us to be so much more. Think about it. You have an artisan. I tried art. That's the one place I got to see through even in college. Just no matter what I made, it was either a pencil holder or an ashtray. 
parents didn't even smoke. No matter what I tried, it all looked the same. Can you imagine going into your kitchen, into your covert? Because it says to us in Corinthians that we are God's vessels. Can you imagine going in the kitchen, open the door, and all of your dishes are those cute little four to six ounce teacups? Not the big coffee mugs. The little teacups. And you went home to cook a steak, and all you had in your utensils were all little teacups. You're a vegetarian. You had the best butternut squash in the world, and you only had the little teacups to cook it in. What would happen? Unless you wanted tea, all the other things in that cupboard would be rendered useless. And you all, God has called us to be individuals, to be different, to celebrate who we are in Christ Jesus, knowing that the one who began the good work in you will complete it, knowing that the one who created you said it was good, and knowing that we, as proclaimed in the gospel through the epistles, that we are God's handiwork, created to do good. And we have the little signature of Jesus Christ in the corner as the author and the finisher of design. So what should our response to this be? The invitation, trust God. No matter what's going on around you, no matter what's going on in you, because we always pray for a new thing, and when God gets ready to do a new thing, and then we start crying. Let God do it. <laughs> trust God to be your maker. Trust God and be patient with yourself and with others because God is working on everybody else as well. And finally, find your place of gratitude where you can finally wake up and say, God, thank you. Thank you. I am created by you. And you have promised that all things will work together for the good. And as long as it is not good, you are not through for we are God's handiwork. Go forth and be handy. Let us pray. Lord our God, we thank you for your mighty works. We thank you, Lord, that you are so creative that you formed us individually, uniquely. And God, sometimes we don't understand. Sometimes we worry. And yet, God, I pray today that sometimes we will trust without apology that you are God and God alone in our lives. So we pray your hand anew upon us. We pray that we can feel your touch. We pray that we can feel you. We pray that you will heal us and restore us in such a way that we can leave this place with hope. Yes, it is the best of times and it is the worst of times, but all times are your times and you have a plan for us. So Lord, we thank you and we look to you now as our artist, our creator, our God. In your holy name we pray, amen.